And of course, it all starts with yourself. And that is the number one core step in having better relationships is having a better relationship with yourself. And I know it's so cliche. We talk about it all the time, like love yourself, self-love, self-care, all of that stuff. But it really, really, truly is so important. Hey everyone, I'm Rochelle, your host for this podcast. I am a health coach, photographer, highly sensitive, and it took me almost 33 years to find my purpose and passionate life. I've had some ups and downs for sure, and the biggest lesson I've gotten is just to trust yourself, to slow down and really listen and trust your body, yourself. And so in this podcast, I'll talk about all of my experiences, my journey, all things health and spirituality, and really just share all of that with you, what's worked, what hasn't, but always remember through it, just take what works and leave what doesn't. We are all unique individuals and not everything is going to work for everybody. Honor and trust yourself. Thank you so much for listening and as always, sending you light. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Soul Healing Podcast. You may also find this on YouTube, you may find this on an IGTV, but wherever you are listening to this, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for giving your time and energy and attention to this podcast episode. So in this episode, well, let, let's uh, step back a second. So last episode, I had talked about my shift, my change for 2021. And that really involved changing my, the course of my business, really. I was health coaching, but I wanted to serve everybody, as you do, I think, as a healer, as somebody in a position to help and heal others, you want to be able to heal everybody that you can or that you want to help everybody, period. And so I was really resistant to this idea of like niching down, like possibly eliminating clients. But long story short, I became, I just, 2020 was the year that I kind of like settled into myself. I talked about this last episode. I just keep coming back to this. I'm so, ever since I got clarity on my actual direction, I have felt so motivated, so creative, so lit up, like in a way that I haven't before. It's incredible. And I can just like feel it like radiating off me to everyone or to everything, into everything and every space and all that really amazing, juicy stuff. But so my focus really shifted from holistic health coaching in the sense of, so I originally defined myself as a holistic health coach. And then I trickled, and then I kind of shifted a little bit into self-love because that has really been my journey, right? My journey from toxic and abusive relationships to loving myself, to learning myself And that was kind of where my journey went. And then it was this health journey. But I keep coming back to in conversations with friends, as I study human design, as I learn human design, I keep coming back to relationships, to connections, how we can understand another human being, how that can better the relationship we have with another human being. And of course, it all starts with yourself. And that is the number one core step in having better relationships is having a better relationship with yourself. And I know it's so cliche. We talk about it all the time, like love yourself, self-love, self-care, all of that stuff. But it really, really, truly is so important. And so in this episode, I really kind of want to go back to the basics of human design. If you're listening, I'm going to assume that you at least know your design type. If you don't, if you want to pause this and go get it, you can get it at jovianarchive.com, my body graph. There are 
multiple sources online that you can get your human design body graph from. You're just going to need your, the birth, your birth time, your birth date and your place of birth throw that in there and you'll get it. You can go back. I'll link it in the show notes. I do have some episodes that'll talk about, um, you know, profiles, types, all that good stuff. But this, this, this specific episode, I'm really going to focus on conditioning and how that shows up for us in childhood and really just kind of, I know we hear it all the time, like strategy, authority, strategy, authority, strategy, authority, because there's so much fascinating, complex, really, really great, helpful information in human design, right? We can talk about the PHS system. We can talk about connections. We can talk about the profiles. We can talk about gates, channels, all this kind of really great stuff. But if you're not living life according to your strategy and authority, if you're not responding, if you're not making decisions the way that you're supposed to, and of course, if you're a manifester, you're not responding at all. You're not waiting for anything, right? The rest of us are kind of waiting for something. Manifestors just go out and do, and then um, that's what they're here for. But if you're not like living by these things, nothing else is going to flow, right? So you, if you are actively experimenting with your strategy and authority and you, you know, it takes seven years is what Ross says, you know, it takes seven years for our completely all of our cells to regenerate in our body. And so it takes seven years from like the time that you find out human design to really decondition. And if you think about it, considering how long it took us to get conditioned, seven years really isn't that long, but just the change I'm about, gosh, a year and a half into human design. And I feel a massive shift. You know, I, I had a lot of healing and a lot of like other tools that were kind of going alongside of that as well. And of course, like, I think from the, from the perspective of, you know, a, a coach or a guide, however you want to term it really interacting with people and learning, you know, how they, how they experience their design, their profile, all that good stuff. So you can go to Jovian Archive, you can go anywhere, pull your chart, and really let's just like look at the open centers, right? Because every open center is a place where we hold wisdom. That's where we are able to mirror people back to back to themselves, right? But it's also in these centers where we're going to get conditioned. You can have conditioning in defined centers, don't get me wrong, but your definition, the energy you create is something that you can come back to. It's not something necessarily that you have to like go out and seek. You also have, I lost my train of thought, but anyway, so when we look at, it's really helpful if you know the charts of your parents and the people in your family. So for me specifically, going back to strategy and authority, and experimenting with all of that. I am emotional and 50% of us are emotional. And by 2027, there's going to be a lot more, but emotional authority is one of the hardest ones to have because you, we want to make decisions in our wave, right? When we're in a high in a wave, we're like, you know, nothing can get better. Like this is, I have to have this decision. I have to have this thing. We're super impulsive. And then when we're in a low, you know, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, the world, though, everything's working against me. And we can really, really kind of fall into this like victim mentality. So really just experiment with it. I'm a six, three emotional manifesting generator. So of course, like the six, three, that third line, that like crazy chaotic third line that never leaves me. It just experiments with everything. I like to figure things out. I like to try, I like to taste. I like to all that kind of stuff. I have an open G center. I have an open head. I have an open root center, which I've realized like the root centers can be like killers of relationships if we're not aware of it. I have an open will center as well, open heart center. So we'll go through the centers really quickly and just kind of like briefly talk about like what each center holds if you're not familiar with human design. So you have your head, which is your Ajna and your head, right? So if you have your Ajna, if you have, uh, if you have your head 
activated or defined, your Ajna is also defined, but you can have your Ajna defined without your head being defined. So your head center is literally the center for inspiration. It's the center for ideas. So if you have it open, you're constantly getting inspiration from outside sources, right? I heard an example of, I believe it was Ra that was saying like the kid that's in the classroom, raising their hand, asking the questions probably has an open head because he's getting all the pressure and the head is a pressure center. He's getting all the pressure and the questions from other people. If you have a defined head, literally inside, it's really hard to meditate because your mind's like always going, you create inspiration within yourself. Then the Ajna is the processing center. So we get all of these ideas, all of these inspirations, all of these concepts or all these, and we're pulling them down into the Ajna to process them, to turn them into concepts and into ideas and seeing if we can take them down to the throat center, which is our our manifestation, our communication center, everything in the body graph is pointing towards the throat center, right? We want to manifest and express every part of ourselves. So the head, all these ideas, like concepts, creativities, all this stuff wants to be pushed down to the throat center. So that can be the shadow side, right? If you don't have a defined throat, or if you don't have, if you have an undefined Ajna, the shadow of this can be feeling like you're wrong because you can kind of see things from all sides, right? If you have an open head, you literally have an open mind. You can see things from all sorts of ways. If you have a defined Ajna, I have a defined Ajna. So sometimes I can get set in my way. So it's really important to know, like, if you are like really set in your viewpoints, this could be a shadow side of it, like kind of like open your mind a little bit. And I really try and understand different people's viewpoints. My open head helps. Um, but my son has a completely defined head. Granted, he's only four years old, but you would think he has a defined G center, but he doesn't. He has an open G center, but you would think he has a defined G center because he just seems so sure, right? And it's those ideas, it's those concepts, it's all that stuff that's going on in his head that he's creating within himself that he just thinks he's like, he knows better than anybody else and he's four years old. He will tell you what to do. Like there is no questioning it. If you don't give him what he wants, he like flips out. So that's a... Uh, you know, if you have, if you had a parent with a defined head and you have an open head, that's a big place for some conditioning. So our throat center, the shadow side of the throat center is, is really wanting to be heard, right? So if you go to like a dinner party, the person who's speaking the most probably has an undefined throat and they're getting that energy from the defined throats around them. But of course, with everything else, follow your strategy and authority. You know, if you like, I have a defined throat. If I wait for the right moment to speak, I notice that a, I get heard so much better and it just, it's more clear and it makes sense as opposed to if I'm speaking out of turn, I may have a defined throat and I may have a defined Ajna. So I'm able to bring that down. The 2343 is my sun and earth. So I have that within me that I can like get these ideas out. But if I'm not called and it's not the right timing, it can really fall flat. And then we have our G center which is our center for purpose, love, direction. This is all the set that love of the self is kind of where this comes from. This is what they call the magnetic monopole. So this is literally your, your direction in life. This is, this is the driver, right? So our body, our human design has the personality in the body. So the personality is the passenger, right? The body is the vehicle and our magnetic monopole, which comes from our G center is the driver. So the passenger, our mind is here to observe and experience and our body is here to get us there, right? But our direction and everything comes from within us. This is why we always say the mind cannot be an authority. You are not meant to make decisions based out of your mind. 
Your mind will constantly question, constantly doubt, constantly confuse you. So this is why like we have emotional authority. We have sacral authority. We have splenic authority. We have ego authority. We have all these authorities that help us make the correct decisions. And next we have our will center. So will ego center. It's the center for like resources. It is also, if you have this undefined, a big shadow here is trying to prove yourself. A lot of us go through life trying to prove yourself. I was listening to something the other day and I cannot for the life of me remember what it was or what the conversation was, but it's like we, you can tell when somebody is coming from that shadow space of that undefined will center, right? Like we constantly want to have labels to prove that we're worthy. I'm guilty of this. This was a huge shadow for me. This was like imposter syndrome, right? Like I felt like I had to have all the certifications. I had to have all like the bachelor's degree. I had to have, you know, all of the credibility behind me because the shadow of that center was like, I am not worthy if I don't have these. Like nobody's going to listen to me if I don't have these. But especially as a 6'3", now I can look back and be like, my whole life has been an experiment. My whole life has been experiences that give me this wisdom and this knowledge that I can help other people. So I do have the certifications because for a long time, I thought that's what would make me worthy. But then I tried so hard to memorize all this information and know all of this information. And it almost like confused me in a way. So that's a big uh, shadow of the of the undefined will ego center is trying to prove yourself. So know that you have nothing to prove and don't make promises because a lot of times with that, because it is like a, a, an energy center, it'll come in waves. Um, and I love it. I have, I have friends that have a defined will center and it's just like beautiful to see that like turned on. They just like can accomplish anything. And when you're in their energy, like I notice when I'm in their energy, I'm just like, I got this, I can do this. And then I get home, I get out of their energy and I'm kind of just like, what, what was I so excited about? Like, what, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> get to that. Like, it just kind of fades. Then we have the emotional solar plexus. This has like ruled my life. And if you're emotional, whether you're emotional or not emotional, and I don't even like the term non-emotional because we're all affected by emotional emotions in some way or another, but the emotional solar plexus is the center for passion, for sexuality, for the drama, right? All the emotions. Um, and of course, depending on what channels, what gates you have active in there. And I think personally, there is so much conditioning that can be held in the emotional solar plexus because if you are an emotional being like going up and down through the waves, like for me, one of the biggest condition conditioning things that I got from childhood, my whole family is undefined. So if I wasn't there, they were always in this neutral state, right? They always kind of woke up in the same mood, but I came in with this like intense, like up and down, super passionate, super dramatic, super. And of course I'm a Leo moon and rising. So if you know, astrology, like all the fire is going on in there on top of all of the emotions. And so for a long time, I felt really, really shameful about that. I felt like I was wrong because people who have an undefined, people who are not emotional, non-emotional beings, they want to fix it. They want to stop it because it's uncomfortable for them, right? They don't like to feel that way. They don't like to feel these intense emotions that they can't understand. And so like, if you're emotional too, like we don't always understand why we're feeling the way that we're feeling, but we have to have grace with ourselves and know that we're going to go up and down through this emotional wave. And this too shall pass, right? It's going to come and it's going to go. We'll always go up. We'll always come down. And depending there's four different wave types, the source wave, the individual wave, the tribal wave and the collective wave. So you can go over to Instagram, my Instagram, I have like a whole 
post on that and I'm going to do like another video and everything like that. Cause I just, it's so important to understand your way because as emotional beings, we're here to teach the unemotional how to deal with their emotions when they get it right. So like, if you are, if you are an unemotional, non, a non-emotional person and you're married to it or your partner, your significant other, your brothers, whoever, so you live it with someone who is emotional. And so you go through your day and you have all these little things that kind of like trigger you, but like, whatever, you just like brush it off. And then you come home to a spouse or a partner, a family member, or a child or whatever, who, who's bringing this wave and they're in the low of their wave. Everything you felt during the day that wasn't that important, right? Or you didn't get that emotional about is now going to come out. And this is when arguments start. And when an emotional being is in a low, the unemotional being is going to go even lower than the, which then brings the emotional person's wave. So literally it's like climbing a ladder that nobody's going to win. Nobody's going to win. And so the next center we have is our sacral center, which is, which is fertility. So they're kind of both sexual centers. Uh, this one is more about like fertility. It's life force energy. It's also created, it's, it's, um, really connected to your throat too, because our throat chakra is all about creativity, right? Manifestation, putting it into action, but then it's also connected with the sexual. This is why like art artists and creative people tend to be highly sexual. And I get this from uh, master co pranic healing. I love it, but it's so true. Like there's this connection between the sacral and the throat center. So if you have your sacral defined, you are a generator and that's it. If you have it undefined, you are a projector, reflector, or manifester. And so what happens is if you have these non-sacral beings, they can really burn out with the sacral energy, right? Especially manifesting generators have a ton of energy. We multitask. We're really fast at doing things. Generators go through their process, but projectors, when they're in the energy of a sacral being, they can be like, oof, they are on fire, right? Because we take in and amplify this energy. We really have to take care of ourselves to know like, hey, this isn't my energy. I'm going to crash and burn if I try and keep it up. So give yourself the grace, give yourself the rest that you need. And then we have our root center, which is our pressure center. It's all about adrenaline, getting things done. Basically, if you have a defined root, you run on your own time. There is no pressure to get things done. But if you have an undefined root, you it's uncomfortable. We want to get this feeling off of us. We want to be able to, do, we want to do everything to like relieve this discomfort that we're feeling from this pressure. And so you're either going to kind of freeze in this pressure or you're going to thrive. It's kind of like one of two ways. And this really comes down to conditioning. So for me personally, for a long time, and I'm really learning now in like the past year that I don't have to succumb to this pressure and that pressure is not mine, but I was the type that really froze under that pressure because that was my conditioning, right? Like all of that stuff I internalized, I have been through abusive and toxic relationships. So there was a fear element there that I would just freeze. That was because you know, they, they say fight or flight, but it's really, there's three, there's fight, flight, or freeze. And some people just freeze and it's literally a body response. There's not much you can really do about it, except for slowly in small ways, pushing past it and taking action and the little things, which will then trickle into the big things. And finally, we have our spleen, which is the center for fear, survival, health, immunities, immune system, stuff like that. If you have it defined, you're always going to kind of have this sense of fear, but in the sense of like being aware, if you are splenic authority, you're going to get that quick, like paying, it's only going to tell you once, right? You're going to have these like red flags. You're going to have these questions, but if you have it undefined, you can really hold a lot of fear. My daughter has her spleen undefined. I have mine defined and my son has it defined. So you have to be really aware of when we do get fearful or we do feel things because she's going to pick that up and she's going to amplify it so much from what we're putting out. So really being aware, and this is where connection charts are so helpful. 
A genetic matrix. I know there's a free version. I don't know if you can get the connection charts with the free version. I'm going to assume not, but you can literally just take your partner's chart and your chart and look at the differences in, in the undefined, or if you're looking at your parents or your children, look at the differences in those undefined centers and look at your undefined centers, of course, to see where you may have been conditioned from your childhood, because this is the thing, right? I was talking about this the other night in a clubhouse group, our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation. I think there's such an awareness with our generation, depending on how you look at it. Some people call us snowflakes, like whatever, but there's, there's, a, there's an awareness with this generation. We're very aware of our emotions. We're very aware of our feelings. We're very aware of like what's going on. We're very aware of our trauma. We're trying to break cycles, break, break, you know, ancestral trauma and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of us were raised in households where our parents held trauma because they weren't allowed to express that. They weren't allowed to deal with their emotions. They had to hold everything in. They had to do things by themselves. They couldn't ask for help. Like it was just a very hard environment, right? I know my parents' stories. I can't imagine what my grandparents went through. And so we just constantly hold this generational trauma, which is like epigenetics talks about it. It's not some made up thing. It's, it's completely our genes hold trauma. Our genes can be activated by our lifestyle, our, the food we eat, right? Like this can turn things on and off. Like maybe you have, maybe you have cancer in your genes, in your, in your family, in your genetics, but depending on like what you eat, if you're processing your emotions, if you're processing your grief, like all this stuff will activate or not these genes besides the point. But so we have this like ancestral trauma. We have, you know, our parents didn't necessarily have the tools to deal with these things themselves. And so a lot of us can have trauma or toxic upbringings, not intentionally. Right. And it's really great to have this awareness that when people get triggered over certain things, know that that's their issue. It's not so much something that we have to absorb into ourselves, right? It's a projection of themselves. It's a projection of what they're feeling, their worries, their trauma, them, right? Like what, what, what is happening inside of them? So we can have like grace with that and we can have understanding like with that, but also do not allow it to take away what you you experience and what you feel and what you're going through because it is an experience and it is important to deal with it. And you are not wrong for feeling whatever it is that you're feeling. That's your truth. And that's your reality. And it doesn't have to be anybody else's, right? This is just like in anything. This is, I always try and come back to this when I'm feeling a certain way or I'm worried about like people's judgments or whatever. I just think like my truth is my truth. Doesn't have to be anybody else's truth. They can, they need to respect that's my truth. Just like I would respect that that's their truth. If they see me in a certain light, like, okay, maybe you have like evidence of like, I acted this way, this way, this way. But if you don't have a conversation with me and we don't understand like where that was coming from, that's your truth. I don't have to take that on. And that's what happens in our open emotional centers. We take that on. We take on the energy of someone else who may be in a not self or in a shadow state. And we take that on as our own, especially with the open G center. I think the two biggest centers personally in my personal experience has been the open G center. And I have a defined um, emotional solar plexus, but I truly believe I was conditioned by the open emotional solar plexuses around me, right? Like that. I also have, there's also other things in your chart that you can look at, especially as it relates to that. But, you know, open emotional people are people pleasers. They tend to lie because they want to avoid the truth. I have gate 29 and I believe it's in my unconscious son. So it's like a huge energy for me. And 
it's all about, it's the yes gate, right? It's the gate of half heartedness. It's the gate of commitment. It's the gate that wants to say yes to everything, but we really have to look at how we're committing to it, how we're entering into it to make sure that it's correct for you. I have just, just a perfect example of like energy dynamics. There is somebody that I know intimately that has, and it's actually kind of funny because I've looked at how many people have this energy really important in their charts. And it's like uncanny because my son does too. But this person has gate 39 in their conscious sun. So this is like 70%, like half. So your sun and earth are 70% of your actual personality. So this person has gate 39 in their conscious sun, as does my son, you know, my four-year-old son. And I have gate 55 in my unconscious Venus. So I'm constantly triggered by this individual. I feel pressure all the time. I question things. Like I feel really, it's just, I think it's that, constant triggering, disappointment, confusion, questioning, all this stuff. So gate 39 is really there to provoke gate 55, gate 50, and, and, it, and it does that in a sense of like to see who is right for it or not. So gate 39 is coming from the root center, gate 55 is out of the emo- emotional solar plexus. Gate 55 is the gate of the spirit. So when gate 55 gets triggered, it's really showing us something about ourselves, our spirit, what we need to learn. And so coming from toxic relationships, I know I've healed a whole bunch and I just think the universe is funny that way. (laughs) It puts me, puts someone in my life that has this gate 29 and that is constantly poking my gate 55 and I'm constantly triggered and I'm constantly frustrated. I know it's out of my not self and it triggers a different, it triggers a different wave right? It, it, that poking triggers the wave because I always was like curious, you know, I was like, why if I'm, I can be completely neutral or I can be in a high. And all of a sudden I like something happens and I'm triggered. I'm taken down to this like low. And I consciously, I know that like wherever we are in our wave, things that happen aren't the things that trigger the wave, right? It's we're all already in a space and we like to blame people for, especially when we're unaware, we like to blame people for a low when we hit that low, but we may already, we may have woken up feeling low. We don't really realize it until something happens. And then we want to blame that person. Like, well, I'm feeling this way because of you. But I just thought it was really funny that this is my unconscious Venus. Like this is how my body expresses love. This is how my body feels love in this gate 55. And 39. It was in this person's son. And so of course I'm just going to constantly be triggered. But again, it's not even so much about the other person. It's really triggering me to show me something about myself, something that I need to love about myself in order to put that love out. So it's actually kind of a beautiful dynamic. When you think about it, it doesn't feel that great half the time, but like with that awareness and knowing this dynamic, this way connection charts, relationship analysis, whatever you want to call it, like with human design is so so helpful and just like understanding that. Now, I'm going to say that especially in a relationship, I think it's really important for both partners to be aware and both partners to be doing the work because you can have a complete understanding of the other individual, but if they're not aware and you're just like making uh, allowances almost for them because you see it, it can perpetuate a toxic situation, right? So see the other person, but if it doesn't feel right to you, then it's not for you, right? And especially as an emotional person, I love this. Um, Milana, who was on here on the podcast last season, was talking about her emotional wave. And she's like, if somebody can't like ride with you almost and like and hold space for you and understand that, then they're not for you, which is a really hard thing to do sometimes. But that's really 
I think what the importance of getting to know yourself, the importance of loving yourself, which is why this is the first step in our sessions together is to get to know yourself, like truly get to know yourself. And we do this with human design because I know for myself, like from someone who had like such low self-worth for so long, when I was finally able to like see myself, accept myself and all these, all the dynamics of human design, it really gave me the language and it really helped me see myself in a way that I would not necessarily, or it hurried that, or quickened the process along, I guess, where I was able to see it and put words to it um, a lot faster. And so again, when you're looking at yourself and learning yourself, a lot of our trauma, a lot of our insecurities, a lot of our problems, I guess, like, I don't know if that's the right, I don't like that word, but it comes from childhood. It comes from how we were taught, how we took on conditioning in these centers and we took it on as our own. And so when you look at your chart, if you can look, if you know your parents' chart, that's awesome, you know, just to see where they could have gotten conditioning from their childhood or where they were conditioning you from their defined centers. And just that in itself can like be really helpful in that first step of forgiveness almost, right? And acceptance of what was and releasing that stuff, the stuck stuff that we hold on to, right? That stuck energy that we hold on to. And so just check that out. Go look at some charts, play with it. I haven't decided what the next episode is going to be. Um, I think I'm going to do it on profiles. I love profiles. I think they're so fascinating. And really the core things that you want to look at when in like a connection is obviously your type, your profile, your connection themes, your connection channels. That's really going to help you understand like the dynamics with another person. So next podcast episode is going to be on profiles. We will go through the profiles, what they mean, how they love, how they interact with each other, all that really awesome stuff. So until next time.